business and people. Your host, Walt Bayless. Let's get this show started. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Business and People podcast. I'm your host, Walt Bayless. Today, we are joined by a true titan of the industry within uh, photos, within sharing stories, within the startup community. She was able to grow an app on Facebook to 250,000 users before the concept of sharing photos even took off in the days of of Farmville and and, uh, Candy Crush on Facebook. She was then able to take her knowledge and launch an incredible app, which is now massively popular. She's also been a keynote speaker at Microsoft. She's been nominated twice for Startup uh, Business of the Year. She's won Mum of the Year, Mum Business of the Year. She is the incredible Diane Najim. Thank you so much (laughs) for joining us on the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And I love that introduction. Thank you. <laughs> it's really great okay. to have you. Now, Diane, you've come from an amazing background. So as I read through your bio, not only now are you an incredible, successful startup founder, but your background was in the social workspace and you've morphed into that role. How did that all come together for you? I know it's pretty amazing. And when I look back, I, I often think, well, how did this happen? But it makes sense in a lot of ways because when you work with, um, as a social worker, you're working with people and you're looking at helping people. And so you look at what are the problems and then you try to solve them. And I think that's what it is with entrepreneurs. And it was, you know, it was purely accidental that I would fall into it. But at the same time, there is a mission. I have a mission to solve problems and I like to work with people. So it made sense. Wow. And as well as I continue with my core value with working for and with women and helping them, you know, and shining the spotlight and, and focusing on advocating for them as well. So all that I had, um, you know, with my core value as a social worker continues is in the entrepreneurial world. But how it really began was kind of interesting because um, as a social worker, you know, uh, I worked, but my husband and my family and I all went on vacation. This is how it all started. And we came back home and I uploaded photos to Facebook. And this is when Facebook really just was populating from my space. So I said to my husband, I don't like Facebook. There's nothing you can do to create a story. And if you know me, I'm Greek. You know, we like to have family gatherings and friends over and we like to share photos and we like to tell stories. And that's how it all began was I felt like there should be some stories being told on Facebook more than just a post. Wow. So I... I Talk about being ahead of the curve. Like, I mean, that was, that was, uh, you know, how long ago was it? That 10 or 12 years ago when you were. Yes. Well, in 2010 is when I launched PhotoPad, uh, which actually was called Virtual Gestures. We moved it into PhotoPad. It became an all inclusive suite of tools for people, consumers to use to share stories, celebrations, you know, photo books, animated gestures, everything you see now that Facebook is doing. We had all those tools. And we even grew it into a game. Um, So the more levels, the more you used it, the more levels you you received, and then you would get a reward in the end. So it was really quite interesting journey when I made the turn. How did you break into the tech space? So like, uh, you know, you you mentioned you're Greek, you love sharing the photos and, you know, looking through uh, photopad.co, I can see some of those storyboards, the beautiful Greek shots and everything like that. That, It looks incredible. But how did you go from, from being in that social work environment into a tech startup founder? You know, that's an interesting story too, because that is 
not was not intentional. And I, like I said, I fell right into it. And then um, it was very difficult in the beginning because you know, like when I first started, it's not like it is today where there's a lot of women around you starting startups, right? And starting their own companies and leading. And I was entered into a situation where I even attended events and I was the only woman at wow. that event, mm. you know? And I remember the first time I entered it, it was rather intimidating, but given, you know, who I am, I'm very resi- resilient and persistent. I continued to attend them and slowly was able to um, make those relationships I needed. And then I started, um, then I knew I needed to be surrounded by technology, by um, mentors and advisors as I moved forward. So I became one of the directors of Founder Institute, which is an accelerator for startups. And I did that for one um, semester, which was really great leading the team with a co-founder, you know, we both, a co-director, we both did it and then graduating them. And then I moved into the mentor advisory role. And so the more and more I indulged myself in the startup world and surrounded myself by people who are smarter than me, I learned and I grew and I, you know, began to be in that tech world and understood it a lot better because I just, even though I didn't have the education of business and the background of technology, I learned it. And it was really quite surreal to speak at like the women who code conference at Microsoft to, to speak at the lunch and learn at Microsoft to, to uh, do a many things in the world of uh, technology and in front of women who were engineers and, you know, technology, uh, computer science technologists. It was just amazing and surreal. I, I wow. said that to them, and I felt very honored that they looked at me as an inspiration and as a leader to them, and opening that they felt I opened doors for them. So I, I really felt like I've accomplished a lot. That's fantastic. So you've but, literally come from a, from a background, and I love what you've said there, where you, you saw that that's where you needed to be. So you deliberately made strategic moves to surround exactly. yourselves with the people that you knew were going to be needed in your, in your life moving forward. I think that's amazing. Yes, exactly. And I think it was the, the, the training, really working on the streets in Detroit, that probably gave me that training. I didn't realize it, but internally, you have to have no fear if you're going to work in the streets and develop relationships with, uh, you know, the uh, ringleaders of drug abusers and, mm. you know, gangs, I mean, and, and such. And you That's know, really testing the metal. It's, uh, yes, yeah. exactly. So uh, fear is not an issue. And, and you know, always, even on the streets, I had to learn who do I talk to? How do I gain respect? How do you move forward as a social worker and be successful and have a good rapport with your clients and advocate for them the best you can, you know, coming from even that world, not living that environment and not knowing and learning from them on how to navigate it. I think those skills is what helped me be the leader I am today in the entrepreneur world And, and with my company too. But, you know, it's not all great. I mean, of course, I've had a lot of falls and failures and you move along the way. And I even wrote an article about how um, being an entrepreneur is like a mistress in your life. It just takes over, right? And you just have so many things you learn from it. And it's so interesting because, you know, I started this in my late 50s. So I felt like you feel like you've grown by them, but you really haven't. I really You're just getting started. So mu- yes, I've grown so much personally and professionally um, with my skills, with running a company, with being a leader. 
Um, so it's been great. Wow, that's so cool. Um, do you know, I'm thrilled to hear it, Diane, because like I, I'm coming into my mid-40s right now and I'm thrilled to hear that. And, you know, in the 50s, I can still start and, you know, get some great traction moving forward. That's It's it's never too late. I love that. It's, no, uh, right. It's, it's cool. never too late to start a startup. In fact, somebody did an article on that. Like, it's never too late to start a startup. It's never too late on anything. It's just what your mindset is. And so I think true. that's another really important thing to have as a so, um as a startup founder is a, is a good mindset. And like you just said about st- being strategic about it and to uh, surround yourself with people you can contact because yeah. no matter how great things are going, this is what I learned from many of the big CEOs that I met with before. There was another strategic, backing up a moment, another strategic thing I did was as I was starting to build my company, I started meeting with some of the top CEOs um, and asking them, how did you start? What did you do? You know, how did you feel? And the, one of the common thing was, is to, to find people because even at their level, there are days that are dark. There are days yeah. that the numbers don't add up and there are days that they failed, you know, and as you become higher up and, and lead, you can't go to the water cooler anymore and talk to people and complain, right? Yeah, yep. You ha- So you have to find people that you can trust and have around you because there are dark days. I mean, and one of my mentors said to me, and I think it's the best advice and I give it out often. I give it to myself is that when I'm feeling dark is look at the only time you should look back is to look to see how far you come. And when you do that, you do feel a lot better. So you know true. what I'm saying? Yeah, so, it's true. so true. So true, right? So I think that's one of the best pieces of advice I received from them. And um, the second one is to find people, to find people to you can contact during yeah. that time and Absolutely. to know that you're not alone, no matter how great you are, you know, and how successful you are. Um, you still have those days. So. Yeah, definitely. And you need, you need that group around you. Is that something that you actively chase now, Diane? Do you, do you still actively look for a circle of influence to be involved? Oh, yeah, totally. Every level. It always feels like it's time to move on from the mentors and such or coaches or whoever I've used because I've outgrown them in a way because it's just like me. I'm really great at mentoring young beginning startups, but when they begin to need more help, I usually refer them to the next level of mentors, you know, who who run companies or sold companies that can help them. And that's where I'm at. I'm looking now for new advisors, the expertise on scaling and growing bigger, you know, not only going up, but wider, you know, like, what does it look like, you know, and, you know, what should I be looking at? What should I be measuring at this point? I mean, I have ideas, but, you know, um, and in fact, is changing your business plan because I was just looking at my business plan from even three or four years ago. And I'm looking at now how much my company not only has grown, but changed what you right. think you wanted in the beginning. It's different now. Yeah, so, definitely. Yeah, definitely. It's like growing up through through uh, high school. You, you, yes, what you want to do exactly. in the grade eight is so completely different from what you want to do in the end. So, yeah, no, I get that completely. And and um, so you're actively looking for for those mentors. You are active still with the startup foundation as well, and and yeah. in a mentor's role to people uh, starting in those business circles themselves. And you speak about entrepreneurship and leadership. What is it about those two things specifically that that lights the fire within you? Oh my gosh, like everything. I think for entrepreneurship, I love, um, well, I love working with um, new startups because of their energy, mm. of their uh, ideas. It's like growing. It's like, let's do this. Let's get it going. So I just love that. And even in my own company, I still have that passion. Like every day I wake up 
And, you know, people have told me you're so ridiculously happy. And it's like, well, yes, of course. Yes. You're doing what you love. Yeah. Yeah. When you're doing what you love, you jump out of bed. Nothing seems like you want to just go and sleep in, you know, and there's days that I've slept in and I'll I'll complain about that. Like, Oh, I woke up at seven o'clock instead of five and I'm late now. And they're like, what? (laughs) Cause I usually am like up and at them and done by eight with my workout. So it's just finding that routine. And then, you know, being a leader, I just love that. Um, And you never know that you're doing such a great job until you hear people write you or tell you. And I love hearing that because I want to help. I want to, whatever I'm doing, I want people to be successful at what they want to do too. So I want to continue to do that and to continue to inspire people. And I always love hearing that, that I help them in some sort of way. And, you know, that goes back to that social work role that deep down inside, you know, it's still there, you know? So, and I think that's what entrepreneurship is about. Yeah, I I agree. And that's something we love and passionate about. Yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. You mentioned Diane. You mentioned, uh, of course, it hasn't always been smooth sailing, and and that you've made right. a, a whole bunch of mistakes along the way. One of the ways that we do all, all learn is is from those mistakes. What was what's been the biggest one for you? What's the one that made you go, "Whoa, I wish I hadn't gone down that path"? And what did you learn as a result? Well, I think I trusted people too much in the beginning. I probably yeah. would be considered a little naive in the beginning. But the same thing, I looked back when I was a social worker on the streets. I'm sure I had situations where I entered because you don't know what you don't know. And so uh, that was one thing. And, and betrayal was really hard when you're working with someone and you have betrayal. But I can't have drama in my in my company, I often talk about this too, that the one thing I learned is, um, you know, you already have, like building a startup is hard. The last thing you need is drama. So you need to eliminate that sooner than later. And that was a big lesson is not letting go. I mean, I must've been talking for almost six months about this person wasn't working out for me. And I think um, letting go and firing early is a really great thing, you know, and not looking back at, at that as a mistake keeping it longer causes more emotional drain on your company and drama that you don't need. And what it does is after you did it, you know, after you learn that lesson, you don't do it again. You know, Mm -hmm. you usually fire fast. And what it does is every time you, you know, your intuition is saying this is not right or their behavior is not right, or they're not working for the company. It builds your inner confidence. So you really need to have inner and outer confidence to be a leader of your startup. You know, and so uh, those things get refined along the way, I think. And I think that um, the challenge um, of a non-tech person entering into tech space is challenging. And I think that was a mistake early on. And the best part was I was really failing at leading my team, really failing bad. (laughs) And it was almost at a point where nothing was working and I... I just said, we're shutting this down. You know, this was in the early phase of it. And it was uh, was kind of scary to say that. And Mm -hmm. then I realized that we all came together, kind of like took some time off, like a week off, but then everybody was attached to each other in some way, attached to the project. And then we started talking and I started learning that my style wasn't fitting to a tech person, which makes sense. And I hear that over and over now when I meet with new entrepreneurs and they don't have that experience is that when you want something tomorrow, you don't tell them the day before, 
Right. You yeah. need to, because with technology, with coding, you can't do it in one day, in mm-hmm. two hours. You know, you, you have to look at, okay, what is the task? How long is it going to take? And you do need to be a little bit of a taskmaster, you know, somewhere along the way because it can take longer. You got to make sure you stay on track. But I have to say, they've been the same team with me this whole time. We're doing great. And that was a big lesson is really wow. to sit yeah. down and talk and bond. It's about the culture of your business. That's so important. And I think those are really early challenges I had. And I was, you know, felt like I failed a lot in the beginning, but I'm so glad that we worked through this, you Fantastic. know, and all that was going on at the same time with the wrong person in the company and, yeah. you know, yeah. Yeah. So it's amazing that you, you felt like you failed, but now you have that, in a strength, you were saying to be able to to see that early on and to to really to make sure that everybody's aligned. You saying about the company culture and and you would find that as a buzzword in the startup um, yeah. environment. How do you personally um, make sure that the culture within the company is is everybody's bought into it? How do how do you proactively make sure of that in in your workplace? It's just checking in. Checking uh-huh. in with everybody on what we're doing and making sure everybody's on the same page. Uh, and really, um, everybody is equally involved in the decision making. I mean, of course, as a leader, you make the final decision, but really looking at and giving them the trust that what they're telling me is important, that their role, if they give me a deadline, I have to trust that that's the right deadline. And when you start building that in your culture and you're mm. making them part of like leading, you make everybody a leader, they make you better. You know, I don't feel like I built the company. I feel like my tech team built the company, but mm. you know, together we all built it. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's really important. And I look forward to having a bigger team. And I keep talking about like, that's my new fantasy is like, Oh, I can hardly wait to have more people helping and, being on the team and building out what we want to build because where we're going, we're really excited. Is it, is, is it public that uh, you want to talk about the goals of the, of the company? Do you want to talk about that or is it still a little bit secret and we want to keep a, a lid on it for a while? Yeah, I have to keep a little bit of a lid, but the one yeah. piece I can talk about because it is in private beta is about to come out of it. I would say by the end of June and that's our software we um, are going to be licensing out our software and we're looking at like enterprise level companies, social media agencies that may want a editing tool to be put into their system. So that's pretty excited. And then our next phase, we um, want, like I mentioned to you, want to polish up and add um, new features that make us much more competitive. We're in B2. So we are looking for funding so that we can move forward and do some of the things that we want to do. And that's awesome. some of the things we want to do. I can't talk about right now. Yeah, sure. I'm excited to hear about it. Come back <laughs> yeah. on the show and tell us. Well, like, you know, I, well, you'll know, it'll be so exciting. That'll yeah, be great. So, Leah, let us know. Yes. So what is, as, as you are having a lot of uh, interaction with people in the startup space, what are some of the mistakes that you see they make uh, across the board? What are things that you constantly see people getting started do that you that you have to take them and guide them and, and you know, fill that mental role? What are, oh, some of the mistakes they make. Everybody always thinks that their startup idea is the best, that they don't need customer validation. Right. And they think their customer validation of family and friends who love them are the best kind of um, validation, but it's not. Right. And uh, 
that is my biggest challenge with getting people. And that's the biggest failure that people end up closing because they didn't a get customer validation or B they didn't listen to their customers. Mm. You know, that is one thing. Guilty. I've done it. Yes. Yes. Right. You know, everybody does it when you first open, you know, then you start like, but then you have to make that shift and start listening to what they want. You know, I remember a company who was in existence for eight years. Like I remember them telling the story on lifeline and they, they were just like, I don't understand why can't we move forward? And they, um, and that was a big lesson for me to listen to. They said that one day they just sat around the conference room and said, let's look at what is it that the customers, you know, are, are, don't want about our, I think these are the greatest things. And then somebody said, well, the customers keep complaining. They want this. And they made the pivot. And now they're like a unicorn okay. company wow. now because it's about listening to your customers, you know? And in fact, um, I remember and I worked with some youth, um, young girls for the uh, Girlpreneur Startup Weekend. And my team came in first place. And one of the things that the reason why they won was because I made them go out and get customer validation. Wow. And even though they were young, sixth, to nine, sixth grade to ninth grade, I said, no, you go out in the community and you go to the malls, you go to you know your customers, your potential customers and ask them and get feedback. And then we had a survey and then we had a percentage of what would like, what they would like to see and what they'd be willing to pay. So that's that's really very important in the beginning. From a customer validation point of view, do you have a formal process for that? Or is it simply, um, uh, you know, contact 10 potential customers and ask them what they think? Like what, what, what's your, well, well, I do. I always suggest several things. One is the non, like you need to have the right questions for one. Mm. you know, so that they're unbiased. Um, two, you would go out in the community to unknown people and just ask them on the street, you know. Right. And then there's other ways I did things myself. I had focus groups with potentially people that I thought would be in my niche markets. Mm. I contacted and met with a number of, like, even though small, medium businesses were my target, I met with, like, corporate director of marketing to talk to them about my idea. Is this something that you would use? Why or why not? Why is it just for small business? You know, what would it take to get you to use this? What do you use now? You need to know what people are using, especially if you're B2B like I am. What are they using now? What would it take to get them to use your product? Mm. And um, they're the ones that gave me a lot of the ideas actually of molding what I was doing, you know, and still do, I still contact them. So customer validation continues. Like I'm just getting ready to send out another survey as well as I continue to talk to different higher level companies that wouldn't use my product right now, but getting their feedback, you know, because at one time they started small business or they started, you know, somewhere and they give me a lot of like what their challenges were and what their challenges are today. So it's, Customer validation is a big piece of what you need to be doing. And then I think, um, you know, listening to your customers and what they like and don't like. Do you do that mainly by surveys? Like, do you you send out an email survey? Like, is that a Um, a regular tool that you use? Yes. uh, So MailChimp, I use that for my surveys. Um, I tried, I attend a lot of networking groups. So then I Mm -hmm. tried to get people to see if they would come in person. I like doing in-person demos. 
yep. seeing what they like, having them bring their laptop, testing it out. And early on, to be honest, I was advised by a mentor. And I think this was one of the best pieces. I know you spend money, but it's total people people, no matter what, that have nothing to do with you. And it's called user testing and you pay for it. Yep. And it's a site. I can't remember the name of it now, but something like user testing. And you hand them your product, you know, give them a login, they test it out and they just send you everything, um, what they like and don't like. That's, and that's really cool. That's that a, one's a really resource. good too. Yeah. That's so cool. I would say really branch out in different directions because um, you really need to do that to continue to um, grow, I think. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So, Diane, um, you've, you've picked up the incredible awards uh, along your path. One of them, of course, standing out is the, the Mum of the Year Business Award. How did you go about juggling uh, a brand-new startup and motherhood at the same time? I did back then. Well, I was extremely organized when you have a, a child and I would work during, it was almost like three shifts, you know, you wake up early, you take care of things, you do, I always have a ritual though, it's ongoing, I work out and make sure I get working out in there. And then um, this all started when he was in preschool. So it was great to work around his schedule, come home, be the mom, put him to bed, work till back to work. You know, one or two yeah in the morning yeah. and I think that's the only way you can juggle it but also you know this is a really good point for anybody and that is um not allowing yourself not to have time mm-hmm. you know is really uh I heard some the other day talk about how they were just too busy to take care of something and ended up being a medical emergency wow. and they were talking about how they failed and it's like well it's a bigger failure and nobody's good at if you're overtired, overworked, and I don't care how much stuff you have to do. Even as a social worker, I worked 80, 90 hours a week, some weeks, and so and other weeks I knew I could balance that, you know, but I tried to balance it. And, and you should never be too much in a hurry because that means you're going to make mistakes mm. as a leader. You're going to make mistakes in your company because you're too much in a hurry trying to get too many things done. Mm. And I and I am a solopreneur and I've been a solo per, solopreneur for a long time. When I was building, I was doing a lot of staying up really late, two or three in the morning, four sometimes, getting up at seven, right? That's when I overslept. I didn't like that. <laughs> but you needed the rest. And I remember a mentor saying to me, you're no good if you're not well-rested, well-balanced, and you need to figure that out. Whatever it is for you, you need to figure it out. And I tell that to startups all the time. You're not a hero overdoing over you know extending yourself yeah, because yeah. You're existing not on two hours sleep a night you know that's yeah that's nobody's hero because that's a burnout story and then you know well especially if you don't find time after that to balance it like sometimes you do have to be right sometimes i do and then but other times then i know when i have to be really busy like that i'll schedule time for myself schedule my days off schedule my vacation just like at work you know when you were working for somebody you had time off. You had breaks during the day. You had lunch hours. And there's a reason for all that. Did you did you grow into that, Diane? Because I know that a lot of entrepreneurs um, feel guilty when they, even when they sleep. And I've heard this said from, from so many uh, entrepreneurs, I feel guilty because there's so much to do. Did you Did you always have the ability to compartmentalize and say, okay, this is me recharging and resting? Um, or, or have you grown into that as, as you've, it matured in the business? 
for me, I've always been like that because, you know, as a social worker, you're working a lot of hours, sure. but you need to be, um, you need to have that like time. Like I said, there you're, they're like, okay, I need to take my week off. I need to take my three day long weekend. You know, I sure I have the guilt, but I still make sure that I'm on schedule that I um, take the time off, take time for myself. Definitely. Nice. Yeah. But I know it's harder for other people and guilt plays no matter if you're organized <laughs> or not. I don't know how to tell people not to feel guilty, but it's important not to um, burn yourself out because then that's a huge failure. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's I a think- long road to come back on and your company is hard enough as it is, right? It's going to be a really tough road if you if you haven't got all the energy that you need to to keep pushing that forward. I completely agree. So, Diane, can I ask you? Um, I'm really fascinated by this little next section, especially with yourself. We do quite often we do a 60 second challenge with our guests, and, oh, okay. and I'm fascinated by your answer here. So, the premise of the 60 second challenge is you catch up with a friend that you haven't seen for a long time. And they have, you know, kept in touch with you. They've seen what you've been doing, but you you just haven't had an interaction with them for a long time. They sit down with you for a coffee and they say to you, Diane, I'm just about to go out on my own. I've been an employee for the last 20 years and I've finally got the the courage and the drive and everything. I I, want to go out on my own. I'm going to do it. I'm going to start my own business. What's the advice you're going to give to that person in the next 60 seconds? Uh, Well, there's a couple of things. Definitely what I learned is, first off, go for it. Um, And of course, we talked about the customer validation, but also know that it takes longer than you expect it to take and to have the financial resources more than what you expect because it takes longer to get funding than you realize it will get and to just surround your people, surround yourself with the right people to help you grow it. When you don't have those things and understand that, I see a lot of failure, you know? Right, yeah, and that's where, you know? that's where the sense But I never discourage from. anybody from not starting their company because mm-hmm. whatever the idea is, if it doesn't even relate to me, you, it's their passion. And I always say, well, do these things and we can meet again. I want to hear what your feedback is, nice. you know? Yeah, so that's what I would tell people. I love two it. Two things. It takes longer than you can imagine, and it takes um, a lot more money to do whatever you're doing to support Absolutely. yourself. Yeah, I remember I had a, I had a mentor before I went out on my own. So we've been we've been running our own business now for over a decade. But it was wow. um, a, a friend of mine who said, uh, you know, you need to have at least three months worth of income in the bank before you get started. And I, I took that advice, but man, I wish I, I wish he'd told me twelve. Like it was. We got, to, we got to the end of that three months real fast in terms of, of bankroll. We, you just need to have either you need to have the cash or you need to have the ability to, to unlock the cash before you start. It does take longer and cost more than you, could, than you, than you think it does. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Totally <laughs> does. And you always think your company is the best. And oh. you always think that. And I still think that. <laughs> no, but I'm saying like you really have this fantasy that you are going to be the next unicorn and it's going to take you any new unicorn typically takes about 10 years. So right, absolutely. plan that. And it doesn't mean you won't be a unicorn. It takes longer to get there. The ones that have gotten there quickly, I believe I can say that with confidence. It's not a norm, you know, in the people that you see who are yeah. unicorns, look yeah. at their background. It's like 10 years ago they started. And, that's you it. Know. It's, a, it's a 10 year overnight success journey. That's, yes. Yes. That's you the way it comes hear that. 
So you always um, hear that's true, and that's true. I'm telling you, <laughs> it's fascinating for me that that you actually you got involved in stories and photos and and you know everything that um, that PhotoPad is now. You you got started with that before it was a thing, and now it's exactly. a thing, and, and and I'm excited for that because I think especially with the company that you have right now, like right. It, it's become such a thing that it used to be just for business, but now it's for everyone. Everybody's looking at that, how to get the engaging stories and the better graphics and everything like that, which, which, uh, which is there. But can I ask you what you think you were way ahead of that curve when you were looking at Facebook as right. it was, you know, before we hit record, you were saying that, you know, we started just as it was migrating from MySpace and there wasn't really right. that environment on Facebook, but you were there, you were in that curve. What do you see as coming through right now? Um, well, that, that you're not surprised by because you saw it five years ago, or what are you seeing now that, that it is something that may spark off in the future? Well, I think what's really important is that people need to stop posting pictures and doing long texts. Um, what I see is that we want to know the experience of who uh, you are in your company. And yeah. I think you're going to hear a lot more this year about experiencing, experience marketing, um, share your experience and move past. That's why I think getting rid of the likes is a great thing because people are measuring everything on the likes. But what is the breakthrough? Uh, telling your story telling your experience of your product, not selling your product. Of course, there's going to be a little bit and still ads and, you know, that piece that you need in your company. But the primary thing is building relationships with your customers by sharing your experience, by sharing the customer's experience with their pro with your product mm -hmm. is what's going to really be relatable more. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, if you think about last year, what was it? $900 billion were spent by the millennials on products. Wow. Yes, yeah, a phenomenal number. And if you think about Tom's shoes, they became super huge because they shared the experience of what was the money being spent mm -hmm. on um, the shoes that were bought. Yeah. They never sold the shoes, if you think about it. No, they sold the and experience. A, You're absolutely right. That's a good example of that. The same, with, see, the same with Apple or any of the brands that, that really stand out. It's, it's always experience-based marketing, isn't it? It's, it's yes. how it makes you feel rather than what it does. And in some ways, that's like coming around again. Yeah. I think it was there a long time ago. And some of the uh, more experienced um, marketers see that and like, oh, we used to do that. And now I think it's, it's more so today and moving forward than it ever has been. Mm. And I think more telling your story and not in a post, but in a um, way that it shares it in a slide presentation and a animated video that's going to be really important. You know, nice. I think the mix, I think it's going to be more of a mixed marketing feel to your post. Everything about just posting and going, posting and going is going to be kind of archaic. If you ask me, it's going to be a mix of posting stories, videos. You're going to really have to work it, but because it's so important to, um, for your customers, yeah, you know, yeah. people today, it's so much harder today to sell. I mean, we have online mark online businesses, right? Nobody wants to go in the store anymore. Everybody wants yeah. everything simple, but yeah. they want to know about who you are. They want to have that. They want to have that feeling before they pass over their credit card. Absolutely. Yeah, t totally. So I Let's think that's that where we're moving. Definitely. Is, is have you seen them? Um, now you're not allowed to give away any secrets here, but have you seen some exciting things coming in the startup world? Um, yeah, well, you know, there is a lot going on in the startup world, which I love seeing. And that is around a lot of the ed tech, fintech around, um, oh, med medicine, health tech, 
Yeah. I'm amazed at how much that has grown since I even first started, you know, uh, people helping um, with ways to um, monitor your own health um, apps that are out there now mm-hmm. that really, and I think those are really the exciting. Um, Some big changes coming through. Changes I, I, coming I through. I've seen, well. I've seen a lot in the, um, uh, in the energy tech space and a lot to yeah. do with, with tying that back in from an environmental perspective. So looking at. That's yes. Yeah. That's a. That's Go a, on. Sorry shift through as well, being able to, to tie those two things together, which is which is a, going to be an exciting uh, period coming forward as well. Diane, thank you so much for the chance just to to hear your story of getting started. I think it's absolutely terrific. And some of the, the early struggles and some of the balancing acts that you've had to do, I love the idea of, of uh, how you create and build that culture and, and really um, curate the people that are around you so that you can design the next chapter based on the influences that you're having coming through. I think that's absolutely brilliant. Um, and I love what you're putting out there in terms of leadership and entrepreneurship and especially, you know, talking about women in yeah. business and women in tech, making sure as a father to two daughters, I'm so happy to see that coming through, especially a father to two daughters in the, in the software space, which I am. It's great for me to see that those roles uh, are opening up and not only that they're being encouraged and really being driven down that path and and i thank you for that um please do come back on and tell us about some of the cool stuff that you've got once uh, once you can take the All lid right. off that yeah. that'd be great that'd be great it'll be awesome so if anybody wants to keep in touch with you obviously they can jump over to uh, photopad.co they can start to uh, really engage with their own stories using some of the tech that you've built they can really get their stories from a branding perspective into their social media um there's a lot of exciting stuff happening in that space that you were mentioning as well. So that's uh, photopad.co. And of course, they can catch up with you on LinkedIn. They can follow along with some of the things that you're talking about there as well. Diane, thank you so much for your time. I've loved having you on the show and I so look forward to having you back. Thank you so much for having me. This was a very fun conversation. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, Diane. Okay, thanks. Hey everyone, it's Walt and thanks so much for listening to the episodes on the podcast. We really love bringing these interviews to you and I hope you're getting a lot out of them. We've designed the podcast to really help and to engage with everybody out there. So you could help us by simply leaving us a comment or a review, subscribing on iTunes. Head over there now, make sure you hit that subscribe button and leave a review for us. It helps more than you could possibly believe. Do that now and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode.